The opinions and views shared in this podcast are the opinions and views of the host and the host alone. They are not a reflection of his employer or any other organization that the host is a member of. The host does not speak for anyone, only himself. This is the I Am Pith Podcast. Get ready for contact. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your boy Dex with the I Am Pitch Podcast, and I have another great interview. So if you all have read my book, I Am Pitch Memoirs of an American Patriot, you know that there are some key people in that book that are the reason that I'm still here, still alive, and that I am still in my career as a police officer. I said they not only saved my life, but they saved my career. And one of those people I am sitting here with at his house the last time I was at this house was, I believe it was 2011, and I was in the throes of the worst point in time of my life, and I was ready to end it all. So I am sitting here with retired Louisville Metro Police Department Major Bill Christofek, or as a, uh, what's the pastor's name? And uh, <laughs> He owns the church. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. He calls it uh, Major Crucifix. Yeah, right. Major Crucifix. I talked to you real quick, Major Crucifix. Bishop Lyons. Yeah. <laughs> Bishop yeah. Lyons. Bishop Lyons. Uh, so, ladies and gentlemen, Major Crucifix. <laughs> <laughs> sir, how you doing? Oh, pretty good, Dexter. Uh, it's good to see you again. Yes, uh, great to see you and great to talk with you. Yeah, well, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. I appreciate you having me. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I tell people all the time, I talk to a lot of the young guys on the department, and I'm always reminiscing, like, man, let me tell y'all about Major Crucifix, <laughs> Christopher. <laughs> y'all like y'all don't even know, y'all don't realize like the you know the days of old with LMPD. You know, it's just a memory at this point in time. But man, I had such a good time working under you and working for you. And it's a LMPD back then was just a different beast. And so now you're retired, right? Uh, that's correct. Correct. How long have you been retired? I've been retired now for I guess about let's see. Mm, seven years six seven years, years. Yeah. it's been that long yeah about that man, man. Um, I was on for uh, 38 uh, I enjoyed most of those years and um, I was blessed uh, to be able to work with good people such as yourself and that helps a whole lot uh, when you're working it. with the really good people uh, it's uh, you want to ride that wave as long as you can as long as you got those people there because you know, everybody goes into different areas, um, up to homicide, narcotics, or whatever. So when you got a good group together, you want to stay with them and you want to be able to cherish that time you're with them. Well, we definitely had a good group. I mean, we were we were hitting it hard back in 20, man, what, 20, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be right. And... Um, uh, I know. Uh, I remember uh, when I uh, when I first met you. Uh, the first thing that really stood out for me uh, was uh, when I found out about your military, and I found out about uh, that you were wounded, that you were blown up by an IED, and that uh, uh, you had left an impression on me. Uh, you could have curled up in a ball and uh, just taken um just kind of retired and said hey i'm going to live off the government but uh you know uh, what you did 
is inspirational. You said, no, I'm not going to let this bother me. And you had a shoulder that you had a hard time and you had to worry about passing the physical because you had to do um, the sit-ups and the push-ups and with a bad shoulder that was blown up over there, uh, you overcame that. And I mean, that in itself uh, uh, showed me uh, something about your character. And uh, if there's one thing I love, it, it, it's people that um, uh, people that are just, uh, to me, phenomenal uh, to the good sense that uh, they don't give up. Uh, they, they don't just sit there and say, hey, I'm done. You know, I'm, I'm shot. I got hurt. Uh, now you take care of me. And, I, you know, Dexter, that's what I saw with you. Well, I appreciate that, sir. I appreciate that. You're military yourself, correct? Uh, that's right. I was in the Army. All right. Uh, I was in the Army. I was a military policeman, MP, dog handler. Yes, sir. What year did you go in? Uh, 72. I was one of the last ones to be drafted. <laughs> we were supposed to go to Vietnam, but uh, we ended up uh, – Vietnam was de-escalating at that time, so they ended up sending us to Korea. Nice. So how old were you when you went in? I would have been 19. 19? Oh, you were the yeah. same age as me? Yeah, we were Man. together on that. Yeah. Man, 19. So what was your thoughts, you know, with the, you know, getting drafted? What were you, like, well, I guess I say, what were your plans if you weren't going to get drafted? Did you have well, any other plans? No, I wanted to be a policeman. I always knew that, and I wanted to go to college, and even though you didn't need it, but I always thought that that would help a lot by getting an education, and uh, it would make you a better patrolman. I wasn't concerned about, I really, really wasn't concerned about going up. Uh, by that, I mean making rank. You just wanted to be a, a good cop because uh, that's what I always wanted well, to be. You definitely mm -hmm. were. You definitely. Well, still a legend, you. I'm telling you. Thank you. Your name still floats around the PD amongst us that have been around a little bit now. Well, thanks, <laughs> you know, So you go, you join the military, become an MP, and where do you get stationed at? Uh, well, uh, when I went in, I got drafted. I went to Fort Knox, uh, Fort Dix, New Jersey. Oh, That's yeah. where we went for basic. And then I ended up going down to Fort Benning. And, uh, you know, you take those tests, and they thought I was a draftsman. And when I went there, uh, they asked me, well, do you know how to do this with these tools? I said, No. They said, well, I thought you were a draftsman. I said, no. I said, I had uh, two years of college in law enforcement. They go, well, what are you doing here? And I could still remember the sergeant major. His name was Sergeant Major Paul. And he goes, well, I'll see if I can get you into the MPs with OJT. Well, he wasn't able to do that, so I ended up being shipped to Fort Gordon, Georgia, where I went through MP school there. And then from there, they asked people, and you know how they do that, Dexter, they say never volunteer, but <laughs> uh, volunteer um, once. <laughs> if I can speak freely, uh, I guess I was a dumbass. And when they <laughs> wanted canine people, I put my hand up because I liked being around dogs. And so I ended up going into uh, the canine unit and they sent us down to Lackland Air Force Base for canine training. Nice. So how long were you with, uh, in the Army as a canine handler? Uh, after I got out of MP, uh, I was probably in there. It's probably a, a good year and a couple months. Good year, a couple yeah. months. And mm -hmm. then where were you stationed at after that? Uh, we went, uh, they shipped us. We were supposed to go to Vietnam, and then they changed the orders when we got to Oakland, California. And we ended up uh, sending us to Southeast Asia over to Korea. 
they sent us over there to a, um, a military site there that was out in the middle of nowhere, Derek. Uh, it reminded, uh, Dexter, it reminded me of, um, um, I guess, the biblical times when uh, Christ <laughs> walked the earth. They had dirt roads, uh, no sanitation, no electricity, but we were out in the middle of that area there where we had our artillery site, and uh, we had to have it patrolled by uh, canine dogs at night. Sounds like that's probably still North Korea today. <laughs> I don't think much has changed over North Korea since then. <laughs> uh, so, so, but you're from, uh, originally, you're from Pennsylvania, correct? That's right. A small town uh, nobody would ever hear of, United, Pennsylvania, about 800 people. It's a coal mining town, coal mining area there. And um, I, I grew up a coal there. miner. Pardon me? I can see you as yeah. a coal miner. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and so you get done with the military. So how do you end up in uh, Louisville, Kentucky? Well, uh, Dexter, uh, what happened was uh, I had my associate's degree up there, and I wanted to go. And I said, well, you know, I think to get my bachelor's degree. And I found out that uh, through other people uh, that – there was a really good school in Kentucky for law enforcement, uh, Eastern Kentucky University. They said it was one of the top schools in the country for law enforcement at, at that particular time in the 70s, in the mid-70s. And uh, I went down to look at the school, and I was real impressed with it. Beautiful campus. And I ended up down there where I was able to attain my uh, bachelor's degree in uh, criminal justice, law enforcement, whatever you want to call it. So, um, you know, my hopes then was to go back home and get on with the Pennsylvania State Police. But at that time, they weren't hiring. Uh, there was a, um, uh, what would you call it? Uh, uh, they had a hiring freeze going on at that time. So, you know, I was walking around uh, my military, my 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 college, and I said, well, I, I got to find something. And um, uh, I found out Louisville was hiring. Uh, Louisville uh, had a good reputation as being a progressive police department at that time where they would try new ideas. Uh, a lot of it had to do with the beginnings of uh, – of uh, community-oriented policing. Uh, it wasn't known as that, but it was getting into that already. So uh, I applied uh, there, and uh, I ended up getting on with Louisville. What year was that? Uh, that would have been 1977. 1977. Yeah, 1977. Man, yeah. So what was the academy like then for you in 77, and how long was it? Okay, well, we we went, uh, like, I think it was one or two weeks here, and then they shipped us down to Richmond, Kentucky, which is Eastern Kentucky University. Um, they had a, a, a program there that wasn't involved with the university, but it was on their campus, and uh, it was the KLEC. Uh, it was a 10-week school that you had to go to, and you had to pass all your all your stuff, and then we came back to Louisville after those 10 weeks, and uh, we had to um, go through, I believe it was six more weeks of training. So, uh, you know, we had a total of probably 18 uh, weeks. And then um, uh, we had a ride with um, 
uh, for one year, we were probationary officers, and they broke it up. Uh, You would go to one district. At that time, they were known as districts, not divisions. Uh, We would go to one district, and we would go through um, three months riding with one FTO, and then we would switch in that same district to a different shift with a different FTO. And then we'd complete that, and then we had six more months to go, and then we would go to another district and through the same process. And so I want to preface this for you also. The Louisville Metro Police Department that we know today is not the same as it was back in the day. So we became the Louisville Metro Police Department in 2003 when the city and the county merged because back in the day it was the Jefferson County Police Department, correct? Yes. And then it was the Louisville Division of Police, correct? Yeah, those two departments <laughs> yeah, they finally merged. Yeah. And you were Louisville Division of Police, right? Correct. The, the boys correct, with actually. the uh, white stripes on the pants that nobody wanted to mess with, correct? That's right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's, when, uh, that's when you were able to police um, out there. Yeah, and so you probably had a lot of trainers, I'm sure, that were from uh, Vietnam that have been to, went to Vietnam. I'm sure. Uh, yes, uh, when when I was on, the, especially more so when I got on the SWAT team, um, uh, we had we probably had I know I know of three people right off the bat, four, five, five people right off the bat that uh, that had time in, in Vietnam. And I mean, they were infantry guys. They were guys that that were in a war zone. They weren't Runs. in the back lines. Oh yeah, yeah. They were up there, and um, and uh, those were always as good as gold. Uh, you know, when they tell you stuff, you do it because <laughs> they were in combat. Um, I was blessed, fortunate. Never was in a combat situation in the military, unlike you who had it. And ended up being injured <laughs> severely, um, so I, I I dodged that bullet. Um, but uh, yes, I, I got to to know them and uh, and to respect them greatly, and to be under to have I I, I never want to say you understand because you'll never understand unless you were there. Yeah, yeah. And I would never want to shame you by saying, "Oh yeah, I know what you went through, Dexter." The hell I know what you went through, Dexter. I don't have a clue because I haven't been there. It's only the people that have, and they know what it's like. All I can say is I would have some understanding from hearing your stories and other people's stories, and but never have the knowledge or can say, yeah, I know what you went through. Well, you got plenty of knowledge in plenty yeah. of other areas. I can yeah. tell you that much, sir. So where did you start policing at in Louisville? What, uh, I guess... What uh, district then? Uh, my first assignment was the East End, um, uh, which is uh, uh, a district uh, that at that time was not um, was not a very busy district. Uh, at that time, we had six districts. We had the first, which is the East End. The second district was downtown area. Third district was your south end of Louisville. Your fourth district was where we came from, Dexter, was the west end. The fifth district was old Louisville. And the sixth district was Portland. So what was the east end that you were policing then? Uh, Douglas Boulevard area, Bardstown Road area. Okay, so what we call the fifth division now. Correct. Yes, sir. Now, what was that like for you as a new guy, just new rookie cop? 
Um, barking dogs, shoplifting, domestic trouble, um, uh, accidents. Um, it was nothing like the officers that, that worked in the hot districts, which I would say would be the Portland area, the West End, uh, the third and the fifth. I can tell you not much has changed about the fifth division. <laughs> the <whole district>. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to anybody working the fifth right. division. Hey, thank y'all for letting us come fill up our gas tanks and come eat at your restaurants. That's where we come to get away from yep. the madness of downtown. Yep. <laughs> Anytime I see somebody from the fifth division, I'm like, man, don't come down here. Don't bring your troubles down here, man. <laughs> Life in the fifth division is apparently really good. So, <laughs> so what are you? Where do you? Uh, how long do you ride the streets until you decide you want to go do something else? Well, I had I had a great opportunity, and I think it was wrong, Dexter. I think I made a a, a, a great mistake uh, when I did this. There was a opening. They started a unit in eighty one or eighty two that was called Street Crimes. It was going to be. It was a copy of what New York City had, and they were going to do it here in Louisville, and they did, and they were going to take one officer from each district. And, uh, you know, people applied for this and, uh, I applied and, um, and you got to remember at that time, I don't know what they were looking for in that unit, but you know, I was young, <clears throat> I was active in sports, weightlifting. And, uh, you know, I guess at that time in, in, in pretty good shape, was I, or should I have been taken into that unit? No. Should I have ever applied with my time on? No. That was a big mistake that I made for even putting in. I was still wet behind the ears. I didn't need to be put into a unit like that, and I should have never applied. I had a couple people that said, hey, why don't you apply for this? And, you know, I thought about it. And I said, you know, hey, it sounds like it's going to be fast-paced and everything else. And I thought that would be a good thing to do, to learn, and to get better. But that is something for somebody who had more time on the street, not for somebody that was still wet behind the ears, which I was. I mean, it's a fact, uh, you know, especially coming from the East End, you know, where we did basic police work, a cat out of the trees, accidents. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. serious like that, uh, you know. How old were you at that time? Oh, I would have been in my uh, 28 Okay, twenty nine. Yeah, yeah but say I was yeah. about I was twenty five when I started. So. Yeah, and you don't realize how much you don't know <laughs> until right. you you know you get through the academy and field training. The next thing you know you're in your car by yourself, like, uh, right. And then that's when you start leaning on older guys for absolutely. <laughs> like, uh, can you help me, please? I really don't know what I'm doing. Uh, Dexter, <laughs> I, I would like to just say this for your audience if uh, they're listening. One thing that I know is the people that were in the West End, and I'm talking Portland, I'm talking West End of Louisville, Chickasaw Chickasaw area, and those guys that worked down there, and then finally, after so many years, they transferred out of there because they got burned out. They came to the East End in the land of milk and honey. These guys were looked upon as like 
wow, <laughs> you listen to them. And it was. That, to me, is the truth. Because even the commanders would say, so-and-so was in the West End. He knows what he's doing. When you're in the East End, at least at that time when I was, we might have had one homicide a year. Uh, we might have had a couple shootings, maybe. You Down in the West End, in Portland, in old Louisville, in the South End, I mean, these were things that, that they were, this was a couple times a month, if not more, if not a couple times a week. And the more you do things, the better you become. That's right. And the smarter you Absolutely. become. And you could tell the difference between a person that worked in a fast district, uh, a real urban district, versus somebody that worked more in a um, suburban district. Um, and uh, if you want to be a really good cop, go west, young man, or go south. There you go. Uh, or go downtown. I mean, those are the places. You don't really want to go east. No, that it, That's one of the things that still kind of baffles me. We have new guys that come on sometimes like, where do you want to go? I want to go out to the east end, the 8th division, 7th yeah. division. I'm like, what? Because I remember when I came on, I was like, man, no. where put me in the hottest, fast-paced Right. I can be where I'm going to get the most action, most experience, but I, I guess some people just not built the same, you know? Yeah. Because if I'm going to be the police, I'm going to be the police. Let's go all the way in. Well, I'll probably get blasted for what I said if somebody hears this because they they get offended. People get offended and go, why do you think it only happens in the West End? You, you know, they have shootings in the East End. What do you think? Uh, the East End doesn't have trouble? My answer to them is look at the statistics. Yeah. I mean, if you think this is some kind of a, um, uh, a cut on people from Portland or people from the West End, no, it's just look at the statistics. Yep. That's all I'm telling well, you. And the, the unfortunate part now is that this, the Louisville we have today is not the Louisville it was back then. The crime now has dissipated throughout the entire community. Right. You know, the carjackings and break-ins and shootings, yeah, it's all still centrally located downtown Portland and the West End, you know, but we're having a lot more incidents now of kids, these juveniles going and breaking into cars and stealing cars all over the entire county now is the problem. Right. You know, so it's a uh, it's changed a lot, mm -hmm. a whole lot. And that's because, you know, our hands are kind of tied. And the best way I can describe LMPD right now is we're a we're a barking dog with no teeth. Got a ferocious bark with no teeth. And that the the teeth we're missing are the teeth from the judicial system and city politicians. Mm -hmm. If they would get together and let us, you know, do our job, you know, we'll, we'll arrest the same guy for the same crime over and over and over and over. Nothing ever happens. You know, then we get these guys, we catch on these violent cases and, you know, these criminals, and then the Bell Project comes in and bells these guys out. So we're catching, it's, uh, we keep creating this own problem and we keep trying to solve it, but it's never going to get solved because, like I said, it's our politicians and I'm not going to call them leaders because they're definitely not leaders. You're a leader. The The people leading the city are not leaders right now. It's And it, it's disheartening. And, you know, so many officers want to go, you know, catch the bad guys, but it's demoralizing when you catch them and then you see that guy out walking the street before your shift's over, you know? And it's just like, so why am I doing all this constantly putting my life and myself on the line? And a lot of, I've heard a lot of guys say recently, sir, that the job is dead. A lot of guys have said the job is dead. And I was joking and I was saying to myself, but I was like, you know what? The job is not dead because freedom is not dead. Safety's not dead. 
people still need good police officers. This city still needs good cops. You know, the, the job has changed, but it's definitely not dead. And so hopefully we can breathe some life back into the city at some point in time. So uh, at what point did you go become a dog handler on the PD? Um, that happened, that was uh, maybe about four years in after I finally hit the street. I was in street crimes. I stayed in there for uh, just maybe uh, a couple years. And if you would understand how the, um, the process was, the uh, the street crimes and canine unit were together. They were under the same lieutenant or under the same captain. And uh, there was a vacancy that came up unexpectedly uh, because one person was being punished for something apparently that he did. And they were booting him out of canine and they needed somebody right away. And uh, they knew that uh, I had had canine experience in the military and the military is different than than our department oh, yeah. uh, but I ended up being able to get into canine at that time and so from the street crimes unit I went into the canine unit and uh, I was in there for uh, 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 for I don't know how long until I made sergeant now at what point did you decide that you wanted to move up in rank and become a sergeant Well, I've always tried to say, to be honest, when you see some people that make rank and you know who they are and you know what they did, and then when you have to go over and ask them for a vacation day <laughs> or you have to go over there and, and have them <clears throat> counsel you and you look and you remember, you sit there and go, this is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> and I That's think I'm going to take 100%. the promotion test. 100%. And Dexter, uh, that is the God's honest truth when you see that. And was I perfect as a patrolman? Hell no. But I tell you, I tried to watch. I tried to remember who I was, where I came from. Dexter, there are so many people that will bitch and complain about how the upper echelon is. And then when they make rank, lo and behold, they're right in there with that same group. And they behave the same way. And you sit there and go, I thought they didn't like that. But they became what they hated. So why do you think that is? Because I hear a lot of people say, you know, you got to play the game, man, if you want to make it anywhere. And me, I'm the type of person, I don't believe in playing the game because I'm not here to play politics. I'm here to do what's right. I'm here to take care of people. And, you know, I just I just hate that to me because that, that sounds like somebody's selling out who they really are. I'm right. just playing the game. So you're going to put aside who you really are and what you believe in order to gain rank and, you know, and some clout and some credibility. I was like, that's not I, I can't respect that. Whenever I hear somebody say, I just got to play the game, man. Do you want to get paid? No, I can't. Mm -mm. That, that'll never be me. <laughs> well, apparently that's what our politicians are. Oh, Dexter, absolutely. you know, you. You're not supposed to think the way you are. You're supposed to think like the people in Black Lives Matter think. Yeah, that's what they You know, say. and if you're not, you're a sellout. Sellout, Uncle Tom. Clarence Thomas, brilliant man. Brilliant. And look what they've done to him. Yep. They won't let him come in to a law school to talk. Why is it that we have to think a certain way? Why can't we be who we are? 
but we have to drink the Kool-Aid and we have to behave a certain way or we're not going to get the job. Exactly. And that is why I kind of started my podcast and wrote my book because I was like, you know, I don't want to be what everybody else wants me to be. I, I spent most of my life trying to be what everybody wanted me to be except myself. And you know what? I was never happy. And even when I was trying to be what they wanted me to be, guess what? It still wasn't good enough. Still wasn't in the club. So now I'm at this point where like, you know what? Screw you and your club. I'm doing me. <laughs> yeah. And I've never been happier. Never been happier. Yeah, I mean, you know, there there is so much when I was a major in the in the second division down there when we would go to meetings. They did not want truthfulness. They wanted to play this game. They didn't want to say what they really thought. So many of these meetings were a waste of time. Mm. I'm I'm telling you, I was there, and I know it. And it was a waste of time. We would go there, and, you know, I'm leaving names out of this. Uh, We would go there, and um, uh, people would say, yeah, I remember this happened. I remember that happened. I remember the police did this, and they put a drop gun on somebody, and they did this, and they did that. And, you know, I remember the my bosses, or my one boss and, and, and another person that's a politician, you know, they looked at that, and they're scribbling down notes instead of being frank and I kind of caught a little heat over it and said, wait a second, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying you're lying. I'm just saying, when did this happen? Who did you hear this from? I said, because there's a lot of people that make up stories about the police. And in, instead of the command sitting there and trying to get to the truth, and I said, I, I, the man that had the meeting there, I said, sir, it was a church. I said, don't you want us to be honest? And he said, yes, that's the only way we can get somewhere. But when we constantly give in and we don't state our opinions on what we see and what we know, and we just go along because that's the easiest road. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want to catch flack from uh, this reverend. What good is the meeting? Why are we even there wasting our time for two hours when we— just want to agree and say, oh, okay, well, I'm going to make sure our guys don't do that anymore. We're in, you know, and, and some of this stuff, Dexter, you know it. I've had friends that told me I got pulled over by the police and they did this. And you'd find out that there was more to it than just that. that. <laughs> and you, they don't want to tell you what they did prior to that. And, you know, and, and that's just the big problem that we suffer so much. Well, it ain't no, it ain't much different now. I can tell you that much. It's really not much different. So, hey, what year did you come to the second as a major? Oh boy, Dexter, I I, I can't be certain on that. Uh, I know uh, I was stunned when uh, when um, when I was called and they said they were considering <laughs> me. You know, I I was one that. Um, it had to have been I, around two thousand nine, two thousand ten. It probably was. You were there when I got there, right? And I think. Was it? Who was? I can't remember who was there before. Um, it, um, Not Peacock. Yeah, Pitcock. Pitcock. Yeah, Pitcock that's right. was there. Yes. Pitcock was there. That's yeah. right. And that was like 2009, 2010. Yeah, and I came and replaced him. That's right. And um, uh, uh, Chief White uh, got me there, and uh, um, and I was 
really happy because I was a sergeant there. So I knew some of the people. Um, uh, Bishop Lyons, a great guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean. Uh, Major Crucifix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, uh, you know. You know, he, he was he seemed to always be there. And uh, uh, there are some, and, and forgive me if you're listening to this and I can't remember your <laughs> names. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, but there are so many good people, you know, that, that are down there, but they're afraid. They fear. Terrified. They fear to come forward and say anything because of what the cancel culture will do to them. And it's going to be worse than a cancel culture. Oh, They're, yeah. They'll do damage and shoot the house up. But, you know, these people on East End or these people in La La Land, they don't have a clue until it happens to them. Exactly. And that's when it'll start making a difference when it starts happening out there more and more so often. Because right. the biggest thing with the protest has been, you know, we want justice in, you know, downtown and in the West. But I was like, I ain't, I've been down here a long time. I've never seen any of y'all down here. Mm-hmm. They're only down here when it's advantageous to them. Right. You know, for a good photo op. Yeah. But after all this stuff's over, they go back to their houses on the East End. I mean, heck, half the people we arrested, most of the people weren't even from Louisville. Mm-hmm. And the ones that were, oh, man, I remember I had to take this lady her driver's license. Then I'm driving down the road, and it starts getting, like, into the county. Next, you know, I'm driving up to this ginormous house, and I'm like, you raggedy son of a gun. Up in this big old house. I was like, I, I bet that her parents or whoever was in the house was looking at me coming up like, oh, my God. Yeah. Oh my God, it's a black guy. Yeah. I guarantee you that's what they were thinking, you know, but it's, uh, it, it's, it gets frustrating. Right. And I couldn't imagine, you know, on your level having all these officers under you. Then you have a young officer, Pitts, come up and start. <laughs> I don't know if you remember this complaint that uh, I think it was my first complaint I got uh, when I was working down in the, I think it's B2 in the second. It was on the 4100 block of Sunset. There was a, we kept getting called over there on these kids on the block that were just terrorizing the block. And one of the kids looks at me, part of my language, especially in your house, forgive me, but no. one of the kids was like, man, you black, ugly motherfucker. Mm-hmm. I was like, black, ugly motherfucker. I was like, man, you look like me. I'm probably your daddy. <laughs> 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 and so I remember that and we handled the situation. And then I guess mom heard, overheard the call or overheard me say that to the, her son. And I remember you uh, coming to roll call. You're like, Dexter, I need you to come to my office real quick. I was like, oh, God. Oh, what did I do? <laughs> you start going over. He was like, uh, did you tell the little guy that you might be his father? <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but I, was, yeah. I remember I was like, I, I did, sir. You were like, damn, that's funny. But you can't yeah. do that, okay? <laughs> you can't do that, but that's funny. Oh. <laughs> uh. There weren't many complaints on you, Dexter. You, uh, I could, I could tell you that uh, uh, you were uh, uh, class, uh, and I'll say that again and again. I do remember one time, uh, and I, I'm sure you do too, that you wanted to leave the division. Oh yeah, that was uh, right that three year mark when everybody it starts getting right, <laughs> and you said I can't take this anymore. <laughs> and I remember I asked you, I said, please let me send you home, and and go home for a week or so and just relax then come back and talk to me and uh and we did that and you came back and you decided to stay yeah Thank that God. was a uh, summertime algonquin. over algonquin <laughs> that giant block fight i was the only officer on scene right. and i got surrounded right and i was like my god right <laughs> this is how it ends yes <laughs> i remember you said i i've had it this uh, yeah I, yeah I, 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 oh man 
you know, the illusion of being able to save everybody when you're a young officer, that's, you know, that Superman mentality. Mm-hmm. And you just like, you're just going to save the world. And then you realize I'm only one officer. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. You know, but you save who you can at that point in time, but you can't save people that don't want to be saved. Exactly. Now, in that fight, nobody wanted to be saved. They was just ready to smash everybody. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, everybody turned on me. I was like, oh, man, I remember uh, hearing them tones. I, I, oh, my God, I was so nervous. I was like, man, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just remember hearing those sirens in the background, like, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> Here come my boys. Isn't it something <laughs> That's when you the, hear that, that when you're the, in the middle of that? Yes. The I mean, sweetest sound. That is – that – really shows the brotherhood uh, or the sisterhood how, or what, how, whatever you want to call it when those people come to bail you out of a, of a situation where you call 1030 and 1030 means Oster needs assistance now and you're surrounded and we had a couple of those oh yeah and uh, I'm telling you <laughs> you you get so close to these people and, and you become you know even the people you don't agree, work like right. work with the best, it's like when you it don't matter when yep. you hear that call come. Yep, everybody's They're coming. There. Yep. Everybody's coming, you know. And so, for, and I was like, I said, I want to thank you again because so your leadership, and along with the other leaders at the division at the time, and it was a I, thought, I believe it was Bates. I think he was a lieutenant at the time. You know? It was at that time when I started having my issues. I don't know if you remember the incident I had with my shotgun. Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. 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 So when that happened, a lot of people don't know. But like I say, if you read the book, you know, brother was going through some things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I remember, you know, Sergeant Trees, you know, pulled me aside. And then you all pulled me into the office. And you all, I remember you all telling me, like, look, we know you're a good dude. You got a lot going on. You know, my mother had just killed herself. And I was going through a divorce, my second divorce at the time. And my life was falling apart. And I remember I was still on probation. And you all could have just gotten rid of me. There was no need for you all to keep me. You know, I felt like I was damaged goods, but you all still saw something in me that I never saw in myself. Sometimes I still don't see it in myself, but y'all saw something in me and y'all came around me and took care of me. And so the biggest thing for me was during the protest, these protesters come up to me and say, man, these white boys don't care about you, man. They don't care about you. They're going to take care of each other. And they don't, they're going to get rid of you at the, the moment they get a chance. You never be equal in their eyes. And I always remembered hearing that and the way my chain of command who just will happen to be all white completely squashed that and just came and took care of me. And I remember y'all told me, you were like, Hey, 30 days, it was 30 days. Go take care of yourself. Figure out what you need to figure out. We'll be here when you get back. And I mean, you, I remember you were like, Hey, you want to go take a search warrant class? What do you need? Whatever you need, Dexter, whatever you need. And I was just so impressed. And I was just like, wow, these people really care about me. You know, and I'm, I can never thank y'all enough because y'all saved my life and y'all saved my career because I, I was ready to end it all. Well, you know, what I can say about you is this. Uh, I'm sorry you never saw the, the – well, at the time, you said you didn't feel, you know, but you were a special person. And anybody with any kind of a way of looking at people can tell by the way you were and what you did. And I've already brought it up about being blown up by an IED where you could have crawled in the ball and said, hey, I'm not going to do anything. That wasn't the person. How many people do that today? It, it is unbelievable. And I saw that in you. And the accidental discharge on the shotgun, let me tell you something, Dexter, and the reason it didn't bother me that much is because we had people that had accidental discharges on the SWAT team. Oh, <laughs> Okay, 
Now, period. That's what we call an accident. We try to do the best we can, and these things happen. Now, let's add on all the issues that you had going at that time and thinking. And if you can't look at somebody and try to be understanding, then you're a damn piss-poor supervisor. Mm. Absolutely. And I remember you even, it wasn't even just that. It was that fact that you said, hey, let's go grab some coffee. I don't know if you remember, we, we, uh, I met you over at a coffee place on Bargetown Road on your day off. Mm-hmm. You were like, hey, let's just have a cup of coffee. We just sat and had a cup of coffee and we chatted. I just told you everything that was kind of going on. And then after that, you're like, hey, won't you come have uh, you know, dinner with my family? And that was 2011 when I came over here and got to have dinner with your entire family. Like, you didn't have to do that. But that's just how good of a leader you were. And you don't know, but like I said, those small little things you did for me in your leadership position were the things that helped me keep together and made me realize, you know, people care about me. People love me. And that I love this career and this profession. And that's why a lot of people don't understand why I still do this, because I think about people like you, you know, uh, Lieutenant Bates at the time, Kevin Trees, and just like, man, this is what I was looking for when I got out of the Army. The biggest thing people miss when they get out of the Army, they don't miss all the foolishness and all the dumb stuff that happens, but they miss the people, they miss their brothers, they miss the people that they know care about them. And that's why I have continued to stay in this profession. And that's why I want, you know, I want to stay in it. Well, we need people like you, uh, people that know how to talk to people. I was just talking to your wife. I said, that is a big problem with the new people today. They don't know how to communicate. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to look face-to-face and talk to somebody. They're so used to texting, mm-hmm. talking on a cell phone. They don't want to be bothered. I'm not saying all of them. I'm saying, but there is a significant amount that, that they're, they shouldn't be in this field. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of them. You know? Plenty of them. And uh, that's a problem that we have, and uh, it needs to be rectified. And the problem is now, you know, we're hiring for diversity. And I, I, I will go ahead and say that. I'm not speaking for the police department, but I think that is the absolute worst ideal is to try to hire for diversity. We need to hire for character. Yes. I don't care what color you are. Oh, the police department should reflect the community. I absolutely agree. But if you give me a hundred guy officers that are white and they're all of, you know, substantial character, unshakable character, you can send them a white officer to a black neighborhood. They're going to get good results because mm-hmm. people at the end of the day, when they're in a you know traumatic situation, they don't care what you look like. Mm-hmm. They care about what you're going to do. How are you going to help me? And that's what matters. And I feel like we're at a time now where nobody wants to be the police, unfortunately. So we're scraping the bottom of the barrel because somebody checks a box, we're going to put a uniform on them. But lo and behold, all that does is come back and hurt the profession. Because I can't tell you the amount of stuff we've had happen on this the police department over the years where I'm just like, this guy should, these people should have probably never been hired. Right. You know, and I, one of the things I always realize now is one of the questions they ask when you first come on the police department, if you're with an officer and uh, your partner, y'all are clearing a burglar alarm in a store, and you see your partner take a dollar candy bar, what would you do? When I first came on, my response was, you know what? I'm going to tell them don't do that, and you know we're going to go about our way. But now my response would be, he don't need to be a cop. Because if you as a cop have the authority to go into the store after hours, and you know that nobody's going to see you, and you are willing to take a dollar candy bar, a dollar candy bar, what else are you willing to do 
when nobody else is looking. Correct. And that, and for me, that speaks the most value for me. If I can't trust you with a dollar candy bar, how am I going to be able to trust you with something else bigger than that? Correct. And so for me, it is about character and integrity above all. And nobody's perfect. We don't need, there's no such thing as a perfect cop. Right. We're all going to make mistakes, but going out of your way to do the wrong thing is the one that drives Mm -hmm. me crazy the most. If you know it's wrong and you still do it anyway, I don't want you in this uniform. Right. And you know, and and I hate, you know, it doesn't bother me saying it. You know, there are bad cops. Oh, absolutely. They, they are here and they exist. Uh, They're people that shouldn't be there because they panic. They're afraid. They're put in a situation where they don't want to be put into. Why they got on? Some people look and say, "Hey, it's it's decent money. Yeah. You know, it's job security," <laughs> and they do that. And uh, you know, this, the, the, you know, there just needs to be a better process. They, 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 you know, there there has to be better things that we can do and and how we can get there. But you know, and. When you have these politicians that uh, that are so flip floppy and phony and want to stick their finger up in the wind and see which way it's blowing, and then they're going to say that, and and then you know, how is this ever going to change? You know, it's so funny. You know, I was listening to the State of the Union the other night with the the, the President of the United States, who probably doesn't know he's president, but right. <laughs> it's so funny how for the last few years the the saying has been. Defund the police. Right. Now all of a sudden. Right. Let's fund the police. Right. Like we all have, like all of us have somehow forgotten mm-hmm. about this narrative that they have painted for the last few years. If cops are evil, cops are bad. Let's right. get rid of cops. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, oh no, 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 no. We were not. We didn't mean that. Now we love the police, yeah. man. It's so funny how they're trying to pivot now. Exactly. And I feel like we should not forget the country. You know, the citizens in these communities should not forget. Because when you get rid of the police, look what happens. I mean, we're at 188 homicides or 89 as of last year. Did you ever think you would see that many bodies in this city? No. Never. No. I'll tell you uh, uh, one other thing about uh, our president. You know, um, we got to remember, he he wants to take credit for having selected the first black female Supreme Court justice. Well, you know, people should try to remember what he did to Clarence yes, Thomas. That's right. Try to keep him out. I mean, I, I wish people would look at what the Democrats tried to do to that man and, uh, you know, how how they destroyed him. If I, I've read books from Clarence Thomas. I, I've read him. And, I mean, that hurt him deeply. Oh, yeah. Uh, it hurt him deeply. And, uh, you know, but... We're, we're not going to, you know, these politicians, you know, Dexter, and I'm going to let you go with this. These the politicians remind me of sociopaths. You know, they can lie to you. They're caught in lies, but they continue to lie to you, and they have no shame. Gaslighting. <laughs> no shame whatsoever. None. And, I mean, all you got to do is open up your damn eyes and read, and you can see, and you go, wow. You know, I think that's the issue we have today is, Nobody wants to read anything, too. Right. Everybody everybody wants information in a meme or something in a quick blurb on, like, social media. And that's – you're not going to get information that way. You know, you're getting information that's already been formulated to make you think a certain way. And, man, it's – we have gotten, gotten so intellectually lazy mm-hmm. 
within this country. And it has led us to where we are now. Yeah. You know, where people don't know what bathroom to use. And we got people saying, oh, yeah, men can have babies. I'm like, yeah. since when? Right. <laughs> That's never been a thing. Never going to be a thing, you know. But it's just, just gets more and more bizarre. But I really hope and pray and feel that the pendulum is going to start swinging the other way. It has to. Because it's gone, we've gotten so crazy. I mean, the left today, the Democrats are not the same Democrats as, you know, from back in the 60s, the Kennedy era. Mm-hmm. We, what we are dealing with now, we are in the throes of extremists, you know, far left extremists. I mean, you, how do we have somebody in Congress that hates America, the uh, you know, the Somali girl up in uh, Minnesota? Right. Like, yeah. how do we have somebody in this country that hates this country and wants mm-hmm. to dismantle it? Mm-hmm. You know, this is it's insane. And this is what we have now. And nobody's saying or doing anything about it. And they keep reelecting these same people that don't have the best interests in mind. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you brought up the transgender thing. And there's a thing now. I mean, uh, look, I, I, don't, I don't give a darn what you do. Exactly. But personal my choice. thing is this. When they're over here saying a transgender man should be allowed to compete in women's swim things. And these women live people, they ought to be pissed they about be this so mad and say Feminist. our best female swimmer is a man that's really what it is god made him a man and you can do whatever the hell you want to do his bone structure his muscles it's all going to be manly and he's that's why he's breaking the records but these people are so damn dumb out here they think yeah this is great okay <laughs> yeah. go for yeah. it then uh, but I, if i was a woman that had worked my entire life right. to get to that point and here comes this guy. Yep. Hey, I'm one of you now. And just gets in here and blows everything out the water. Right. I would be pissed. Yeah. And I, I, I don't understand why they're letting it happen. I don't either. I, but I'm, see, I'm hoping it's getting to a point to where people are like, you know what? We got to speak up and say something. Mm-hmm. This is this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This is foolishness. Like I will, if you are a transgender person out there and you're listening, I will do everything in my power to protect you, to make sure that nobody hurts you. Right. If people say mean things to you. I'm like, hey. Don't be mean to them. Right. But don't come trying to use the bathroom with my daughter. And don't start exactly. competing against my daughter in these, you know, in sports, man. Mm-hmm. It's not fair. It's not right. But my uh, God, America 2022. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's those people out there, if anybody, get Dexter's book, I Am Pitts. Oh, thank you. Sir. I'm telling you, it is one hell of a read. And uh, any of you that are policemen, you will appreciate it. Anybody that's military, you'll appreciate it. And uh, hopefully one day, Dexter, you may run for office. Oh, hopefully. God. I don't, I don't we know. We need people in there like uh, Dan Crenshaw. There was a Navy SEAL that had yeah, his eye yeah. blown up. I mean, uh, you know, I, I look at these people, these other soldiers that had legs blown off that are running to try to turn this country around to where it's uh, going it's not in a good place it's not, a part of me i want to believe that it'll get better but part of me also believes that if you lay down with dogs you're going to get fleas Understand. and even with crenshaw i've seen some of the stuff he said i'm just like I, there's nobody i agree with 100 percent on anything right even my lovely wife out there there's just something i've seen with crenshaw i'm like eh. and i just feel like the system is so corrupt at this point in time that and these guys they're making money hand over fist there's no reason we should have politicians in office for 50 years. Right. Like Pelosi or uh, who's our guy here that looks McConnell. like a turtle McConnell. Yeah. You know, it's just it's so wrong. But are these do we expect these people to make laws that are going to put them out of their position? Right. You know, where they're getting all this money and, you know, it's 
system's messed up. That's why I tell people, even a broke, broke clock is right twice a day. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> they, when they say the system's messed up, I'm like, hey, I'm with y'all. Yeah. I, we agree. Yeah. That is one thing we can all agree on. But, Major, I truly appreciate you having me. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> no, I want to well, thank well, you for letting yeah. me uh, letting me vent. Yeah, no. Well, you are having me because I'm at your house, so uh, I appreciate you having my family over. No. Looking that, forward to having dinner with you. Like I said, well, it's been, been about 11, 12 years since I was over here and last ate here. Well, I hope you'll like it. I will. So thank you Meat so much. Meatloaf and mashed potatoes. Let's do it. Yeah, thanks, Dish. Thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate God bless you. you. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been the I Am Pitch Podcast. Man, what an episode. What a show. What a great guy, man. Freaking love my major. I uh, wish we had more like him around. But, you know, we got what we got nowadays. But as he said, you know, my book, I Am Pitch, Memoirs of an American Patriot, is out. You can go to Amazon.com and get your copy. Go to IamPitch.com and you can get a copy there as well. And if you would like an autographed copy of the book, email me. You can purchase it from me direct. Email me at IMPits at Yahoo.com and I'll get you a copy in the mail. Also, if you could, please rate the show on Apple, uh, Apple iTunes and also on Spotify because that's the only way the show grows. And man, I still can't believe that I have hit over 8,000 downloads. I cannot thank you all enough and I will never stop thanking you all because without you, the show is nothing. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for tuning in to another great interview and another great episode of the Iron Pitch podcast. We will see you on the next one. I'm about to go eat. Y'all have a good one.